Welcome to Reign of Grace. This program is brought to you by Reign of Grace Media Ministries, an outreach ministry of Eager Avenue Grace Church in Albany, Georgia. It is our pleasure and privilege to present to you the gospel message of the sovereign grace and glory of God in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that today's program will be a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and now for today's program. Welcome to our program. I'm glad you could join us today. If you'd like to follow along in your Bibles, I'm continuing to preach from John chapter 6. I'm going to begin in John chapter 6, verse 59 today. And the title of the message is Faith, the Gift of God. Faith, the Gift of God. Now, I have spoken so many times over the years on this TV program, and one of the verses that you hear me quote quite often is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Because those verses kind of, they're like a capsule, a, a summation of salvation. And they teach us about the gift of faith. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So in other words, <clears throat> this faith, which is believing the gospel, believing in Christ, faith <clears throat> is not an entity in and of itself. Faith is a, is a body of truth. It's not just believing. It is believing something that is true. You can have faith in a lot of things that are false. There are many people in the world who have faith in idols. But our faith, the, the, faith, the Christian faith, the faith that, that evidences salvation is faith in the glorious person and finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ as he is identified and distinguished in this book, in the gospel, in the Bible. So when he says, for by grace are you saved, all of salvation is by grace. That means it's not conditioned on you or me. It's all conditioned on Christ because grace and truth come by Jesus Christ. So it's all on him and he fulfilled those conditions. And that includes the gift of faith, the graces and gifts of the Spirit by which God connects us to Christ in the new birth are all gifts from Him. Faith is a gift. Repentance is a gift. Perseverance is a gift from God. And He gives that gift to His people by which He brings them to a saving knowledge of Christ and brings them unto glory. Not by their power, but by His. Now our faith in this life is yet imperfect, not because what God gives us is imperfect, but because we're still in this body of flesh which wars against the Spirit and contaminates us. And so we have times of doubt. You know, even the disciples, they said, Lord, we believe, help thou our unbelief. We have times of doubt when we get into bad circumstances or go through trials and all of that. But those who have the gift of faith, their tenor of life is this. They believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They rest in Him for all salvation, all forgiveness, 
all righteousness. Christ is my righteousness. I find none in me. I find all that I need and all that God requires in Him. So by grace are you saved, through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And verse 10 of Ephesians 2 says, For we are His workmanship. If I'm saved by grace, I'm the workmanship of God, created in Christ Jesus. Christ is the ground. He's the builder of the church. He's the Savior of His people. Created in Christ Jesus. Which, and uh, he says, "For uh, we are his workmanship, uh, created in Christ Jesus. And he says, it's unto good works, not because of good works. In other words, good works are the product, the fruit, the effect, not the cause, not the ground. So it's unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now that, that speaks of the gift of faith. Uh, the Lord speaks of it here in John chapter 6. He'd been talking about himself as being the bread of life. And many of those who started out following him left him. They said this was a hard saying. Listen to this. this look at John 6 and verse 59. It says, These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? These things are hard. And why are they hard? I mentioned this last week. Because they go against the natural grain of, of, of fallen, unregenerate sinners. And even in sinners saved by grace, these things go against the flesh, the sinful tendencies and nature that we have until we die and go to be with the Lord. And that's why we're in a warfare. Because we have two warring faculties within us. The spirit and the flesh. And they both are vying for, for uh, prominence. Rulership. Of course the spirit has rulership and he's going to win out. Because that's the gift of God. That's the power of God. That's what grace is all about. It's not left up to me. It's left up to God and he keeps me. Paul said, I know whom I have believed. There's the gift of faith. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. That's 2 Timothy 1.12. And what have I committed unto him? My whole salvation is committed to Christ. It's not conditioned on me. Even my final glory is not conditioned on my perseverance. But I will persevere. Why? Because he saved me by his grace. And he said nobody, nobody's going to take them away. And he, he repeats that. He he said, I'll bring them, I'll raise them up at the last day. But these people, they said, it's a hard saying. Well, I can remember when I first heard the true gospel. I was brought up in religion, calling myself a Christian, but I had never heard the true gospel. I'd heard a false gospel, a false Christ. And when I heard a man preach the true gospel of God's free and sovereign grace, through the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God manifest in the flesh, based upon His shed blood and His righteousness imputed. When I first heard that, I could have said it just this way. That's a hard saying. I never heard it before. But then the Spirit of God kept me under that message and gave me new life and a new heart, new eyes and new ears to hear. I was born again. So they said, this is a hard saying. 
Who can hear it? Well, I'll tell you who can hear it. Those whom God has given ears to hear and eyes to see. But then look at verse 61. It says, When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Does this offend you? Are you offended by this? You see, the gospel is an offense to the natural man. Another verse that I quote so many times on this program is 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them. They're spiritually discerned, understood, and received. And he can't know. They're, they're, they go against him. They're hard sayings, and they offend us because what they actually tell us is that everything that we thought naturally that was good and right and recommended us unto God in a relationship of salvation was evil and wicked in the sight of God. Now that doesn't mean that everything that we did was immoral and not right in the eyes of men. But when it comes to a relationship with God and salvation and how sinners are saved, man's works aimed at salvation are wicked. Now why? Because they do not glorify God. You see, everything in salvation is meant to glorify God. To set Him apart as the God who saves sinners, who justifies the ungodly. And they're wicked because they do not exalt Christ as the glory of the Father, the Savior of His people, the one and only righteousness that we have before God. They don't exalt Him. Paul wrote in Galatians 2.21, he said, If righteousness come by the law, that is by our works, Christ is dead in vain. Do you realize if you believe salvation is conditioned on you and you're saved because you met that condition, that's salvation by works. And it, it's, it's a statement, whether you mean to say it this way or not, that Christ died in vain because Christ came to fulfill those conditions and to make His people righteous before God. That's the only way. They're evil because they give the sinner room to boast. And we're not, listen, the Bible says that let he that glorieth, glorieth in this, that he knoweth and understandeth the Lord God, that he's both, a just and just, he's both just and justifier, that no man glory in himself. Paul wrote, God forbid that I should glory, boast, save in the cross, of Christ. So that, that, these false gospels that we naturally adhere to, they give us room to boast and we're not to have that. They're the product of unbelief. So he says this. He says, does this offend you? Well, look at verse 62, John 6. What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before... It is the spirit that quickeneth, verse 63, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Now what is he talking about? What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Well, what's he talking about? Well, he's talking about his resurrection and his ascension unto the Father after he died for the sins of his people. And what was all that for? Well, he stated it at his baptism. He told John, when John refused to baptize him, he said, 
John suffered to be so for us to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, what he's telling them this, if you're offended by this, then just consider this. Why did Jesus Christ, the Son of God, come into this world? He came into this world to live and to die, to be buried and raised again, to ascend unto the Father, all in fulfillment of a perfect righteousness whereby God could save and justify His people with no contribution from them. In fact, we were instrumental in murdering the Lord of glory. But it was God who put Him on that cross. It pleased the Father to bruise Him. Peter said that in Acts chapter 2 in his sermon at Pentecost. He said, we did it with wicked hands, but we did no more than what God had foreordained and, and determined to happen. This was God's purpose from before, the time, before time began, before the world was created, before Adam even fell. And so he says, if you see the Son of Man ascending up, what is that about? Here's one who accomplished the work that the Father gave him to do. Now, we all are sinners. We have no hope in ourselves. We have no salvation, no possibility of salvation in ourselves. If God were to condition salvation on us, we'd be doomed forever. But Christ, is not, is, that's not the case with Him. He's God manifest in the flesh. He's God with us. He's the Son of God incarnate. And He kept the law perfectly. He told him, He said, I didn't come to break the law, I came to keep it. And He said, Except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you can in no case, no wise, enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, what is it? His ascending up, what's He doing? He's entering the kingdom of heaven. He is as the representative of His people, as the surety of His people, as the substitute, the redeemer, the mediator and intercessor, the complete Savior, the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what He's doing. And so He says, in verse 63, He says, It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Now, the words that he was speaking to them, they were offended at it. I mentioned this last week. I can remember when I first began to hear the gospel, I was offended at it, highly offended, because it went against my natural grain, my sinful natural grain. But God, in his good providence, kept me under the preaching of the true gospel, and He sent His Spirit to quicken me, to give me life from the dead. That's the new birth. Remember in Ephesians 2, 1, uh, Paul wrote, And you hath He quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins? Well, that's what happens. When God saves a sinner, saves one of His sheep, saves one of His leg, He first brings them under the gospel, the gospel truth. The truth shall set you free. The words that Christ is speaking of here, that our spirit and our life, the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to give life to His people. We're begotten again by the Word of truth, James said in James 
And so the Spirit gives life. The very words that offended me, I found out they're my life. Because they, by the Spirit, led me to Christ. The true Christ. Not the counterfeit that I was depending on. But the true Christ of the Bible. The true Christ of God. The true Christ by whose blood my sins were washed away. By whose righteousness charged to me I'm justified. And the one who keeps me unto the end, who can save me to the uttermost, not part of the way. You see, this notion again, as I told you, that you can be saved and then lost, that's what they're saying, that this, their Jesus, who is a counterfeit, He saves you part of the way, but then you've got to do the rest. That's a lie. That's a false gospel. That's a denial of the true Christ. Christ saves His people. Christ keeps His people. And Christ brings them to glory. His words. The flesh profits nothing. What we do, what we choose, all of that. That profits nothing. But His word is the word of life. It's the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, the Jew first, the Greek also, the Gentile also. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith, that's truth revealed to faith. That's truth believed. As it is written, the justified shall live by faith. Those who are forgiven of their sins in the blood of Christ, those who are righteous before God in His righteousness imputed, they live by looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith. And that's a glory. That gives God all the glory. We don't, need, we don't have any glory except that which we have in Him as we point to Him and worship Him. Well, look at verse 64 of John 6. He says, But there are some of you that believe not. In this crowd, For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray Him. Now he's referring there to Judas who should betray him. But here's the thing about it. In his deity, Christ is omniscient. He knows all. And he's not learning anything. You know, a lot of people, they look at, him, they look at God as if God is just learning things as time goes on. No. God is omniscient. He knows all because he's determined all. The God of this book is so high and so it's a, it's a mind-boggling thing to us. But he knows everything. Uh, well, he said in Isaiah chapter 46, he's the one who declares the end from the beginning. I believe that's Isaiah 46, 9 or 10. One of those verses. You look it up. He is the God who knows the end from the beginning. Now, what does that mean? Well, you know what that is? I know people don't like to hear this, but that's okay. It's scriptural. That's predestination. That's the foreknowledge of God. God didn't look down through a telescope of time and find out what He didn't know or what was going to happen. That's not in the Bible. That's a false God. That's an idol. But He's the God who declares the end from the beginning. Now think about it this way. You and I, we can declare the beginning from the end. We start out the day. And we go through the day. And at the end of the day, we can tell you how the day began 
how it went along, and now we're going to bed and going to sleep. This is how it ends. We can do that because we live through it. But God, He can tell the end from the beginning. He knows how it's all going to come out because He's determined it. That's who He is. He said, I'll do all my pleasure. I will do all my will. He's the God who works all things after the counsel of His own will. Ephesians 1.11 He knows the end from the beginning. So in His omniscience, Christ knew those who did not believe on Him. The Bible says in John chapter 7 that He knew their hearts. You see, I, don't, I can look at you and I don't know your heart. If you tell me you're a believer and you tell me that you believe this gospel, my question to you is, well, what is the gospel that you believe? Now, if you tell me, well, I believe that salvation is conditioned on me, that God gave me a, a boost, and now I'm, I'm the one who's, who's uh, responsible to keep it up, then I know that your heart is not in the true gospel. You believe a false gospel. But even if you tell me you believe the true gospel, I can say, well, I know your heart, but your heart could change. You might be one of those who apostatize later. So all we can do is act upon what we see and know. But God knows the end from the beginning. Christ knew their hearts. And he said he knew. He knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. Now we know that's Judas. He knew Judas was going to betray him. And yet he chose him anyway. Why? Because that was God's purpose. Judas was an instrument to bring Christ to the cross Judas did it out of his own uh, sinful desire. And God holds him accountable, but he was set up from the beginning. I know that's mind-boggling, but that's the case. In verse 65, look at it, John 6, 65. He said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come to me except it were given unto me of my Father. He knew those who believed not, but he said, here's the way he said it. He said, I've told you, they can't come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And then verse 66 says this, from that, time, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Many of those who started out following him, called his disciples, they quit. And he says, they didn't believe on him. Now at first they said they believed on him. They didn't lose their salvation, friend. They just revealed what they were all along, false professors. And he turned to his disciples. Look at John 6, 67. Then said Jesus unto the twelve. Now Judas is included in the twelve, but he's a false God, uh, disciple. And he turned to them. He said, will you go away? Also go away? Are you going to leave? And then verse 68, then Simon Peter answered him. And he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Now there's the gift of faith. We've got no place else to go. Somebody asked me one time, said, how do you, how do you know you're saved according to the scripture? Because Christ is my only hope and I've got nowhere else to go. I can't turn to myself. I can't turn to my family. Can't even turn to my church. I turn to Christ. He is all and all to me. 
And that's what Peter's professing here as the spokesman for the disciples, other than Judas, because, and he points that out here. He says, to whom shall we go? You can go to the law, but what's the law going to do? It's going to condemn you. Remember he told the Pharisees back in John 5, he said, you trust in Moses, that is the law, your works. Moses will be your judge. He'll condemn you. You can turn to your profession and your profession won't do you any good. You can turn to your baptism. You can turn to a, a, an experience, a dream, whatever. My friend, unless you turn to Christ, it's all no good. To whom shall we go? Not to what shall we go. To whom? You ask most people today about salvation. A lot of times you'll get an answer back, well, when I was 12, 13, 14, I gave my heart to Jesus and I was baptized. My friend, that's nothing. What I'm telling you is, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as he's identified in this word? in his person, in his work. Look at verse 69. Peter went on to say, And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God, the Christ of God, the Messiah, salvation, the Lord our righteousness, the Redeemer, the surety of the covenant, the substitute for sinners, the 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 glorious sacrifice that Isaiah spoke of in Isaiah 53, the Lamb of God, which beareth away the sins of the world, God's people all over the world, the Redeemer. Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth. I know I have a Redeemer. That's the Messiah that God has promised. The one to whom Abraham looked. The one whom Jacob saw and wrestled with. All of, the, all of that we know. We believe and are sure the assurance of it because of who he was and what he did and why he did it in his word that thou art that Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of the living God. And then it says, and Jesus answered them, have not I chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil? Now he knew that. Judas didn't take him by surprise. And he spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. All of this according to the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. And he saves his people according to that will, that sovereign will, and gives them the gift of faith to where they, like Peter, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we're sure that you are Jesus, the Savior of his people. I hope you'll join us next week for another message from God's Word. We are glad you could join us for another edition of Reign of Grace. This program is brought to you by Reign of Grace Media Ministries, an outreach ministry of Eager Avenue Grace Church in Albany, Georgia. To receive a copy of today's program or to learn more about Reign of Grace Media Ministries or Eager Avenue Grace Church, write us at 1102 Eager Drive, Albany, Georgia, 31707. Contact us by phone at 229-432-6969 or email us through our website at www.theletterrofgrace.com. 
Thank you again for listening today, and may the Lord be with you.